Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lots, we are back. Yep. Still mm-hmm. here. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. rainy here in uh, Ontario. How about in Montreal? It's not raining at all. No, but you know when it's just same as last episode, there's just cloud coverage everywhere. It's not terrible. It's not a completely miserable day, but it could be nicer is this how we're starting every episode now with a weather update in our respective cities you know we're we're just trying to branch out you know we might go back to school we might become sports meteorologists (laughs) here's the game day weather report montreal it's a nice slight overcast 17 degrees while you know light rain slight participate not even gonna try and say you know what i mean the thing in weather begins with (laughs) Precipitation, <laughs> slight participation, <laughs> about two millimeters of rain on the evening, and we'll see how it goes. Back to you, Dan, in the studio. Mm-hmm. See, remember, you ever see that video of PK Subban doing the weather? No. He could do it. I, it's really I, he is really. He good. has like he could do it. He has the booming voice where it's like we, he takes our attention. Like in his podcast, he has it. Like the weather, and like there's like the symbol of the wind, and he's like, "Here's the wind. It's coming towards me." And uh, he's just everyone in the studio is laughing. He just has the personality for it. We have him on the show. He'd make Sorry? the weather fun. Yeah, we should have him on the show. Come. We should. We should. I don't think it's I that mean, easy though. Yeah, you know, it's possible. New Jersey's not making the playoffs, so he has extra time. <laughs> yeah, but the moment he's done, he's gonna go start doing his workout routines. He's gonna start, you know, hanging out with the Rock and stuff. He's gonna be busy. I well, think we can have the, the Rock show. on yeah, the, exactly. The rock. Exactly. Like, do you want me to call you the Rock, the DJ, <laughs> or Dwayne? I feel like if we have the Rock and PK on the show, we just have to leave and just let them do it because I feel like we would be bringing them down. Exactly. Probably. Probably. Or two pillars of charisma. I'd be too scared to actually ask The Rock a question because I don't want him to say it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh my God, I know, right? <laughs> so Daniel, what do you think? It doesn't matter what you think. Oh, it's it's the best. You ever see that old clip of him and Mick Foley? And it's yes. like Mick Foley turns in. He's like, I want to know how this makes you feel. And The Rock starts and Mick gives it back. It doesn't matter how you feel. And he starts running it around the ring. The, the crowd's going nuts. And Foley just goes, Foley, Foley. And the crowd are just going nuts. It's one of the funniest clips you'll ever see. Oh, it's, it's great. Oh. Mick Foley, what a great guy. Do you know so he had funny. like a piece of his tooth? Alex, you may know this because we, we both used to be big into the wrestling. Dan, did you know you know that famous thing of how he was put through the hell in the cell broke and he like fell through it? Oh yeah, yeah. I used to be no. a big wrestling fan too. So you like how crazy like how his like tooth went through his ear or something? Yeah, that was disgusting. That's nuts, man. That guy's had a the fact that he can still walk is a miracle. Who was your favorite wrestler growing up? Ooh, um, probably either the Undertaker because he was spooky, or. Mm. I was a really big fan of Edge and Christian because, again, they were, I've said this before, they're from Orangeville, which is mm-hmm. right outside of where I grew up. So they were, they were the local boys, and Edge's name is Adam. 
Mm-hmm. Doesn't take that much, but probably either Kane or Edge and Christian. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Probably when I got when I was into got into it, it was that big CM Punk phase. So it was CM Punk. Even after all that, all that, that what a storyline. Like oh, he went off script. <laughs> oh, so you know, cool. you know who was cool too, Jeff Hardy. Guy yes, I love the, the Hardy boys. The I, face paint that Jeff had was so yeah. sick. Yeah. Funny yeah. thing, I met him as a kid. Jeff Hardy? Yeah, so um, this is, is a funny drunk? story. Probably. Um, I don't know. Like, is he like, I, I was like six or seven. Really? And um, you know, like the Cyclone. I don't know what it's called actually anymore at Wonderland. You know what I'm talking about, Adam? Alex? Yeah. No. The spinning. I'm sure we've both been this there. Big spinning circle one. Pendulum. I wasn't sure. a bit. I'm what? not a big roller. It's a ride. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a ride. That was when it first opened, and um, he did a presentation or talk there. And you, the, the contest was like, if you win, you get on to go on the ride with him. I don't know. <laughs> something like no, I didn't win, but I got to meet him, and um, yeah, he's a nice guy. Like he um, I didn't realize it at the time. I thought he was just always happy. No, but I like at the time I didn't I, until I got older. I started reading a lot, where like I didn't know he had an addiction to painkillers. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, but yeah, nice guy. He was my favorite guy growing up, but I still have to say the Rock yeah. overall Just now because when I got into wrestling, I was like Rock versus Brock. Yeah. All right. Well, wrestling to start the show. Of course. Yeah. We should talk about hockey now. We will. Well, there's you another will. wrestling bruiser we have to talk about. Is there? Yes. Okay. Andrew um, Shaw. I was gonna uh, see. I Andrew Shaw's not a wrestler, though. I was trying. He's a brawler. In my seg, in my head, I was thinking of like, okay, how do we bring this back? I had something, but mid thought, you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, if you want to talk about heart and soul, real dog, head first into the play guy, that's Andrew Shaw. Uh, congratulations on the great career with Andrew Shaw. Multiple Stanley Cups with the Blackhawks. Had a stint with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, but, and there was always, you know, what follows somebody like that in their style of play is injuries. And uh, due to, comp, you know, issues with concussions, that's why Andrew Shaw has retired. But um, you guys have a thought on the mutt he called himself? Uh, I mean, he's the guy. He's a similar guy you hate to play against, but you'd probably love to have on your team at some point at whatever in whatever spot in the lineup. But I think the bigger thing, like I think the thing here is we talked about it last week, right? With uh, Oscar Clefbaum. And it's like, there's potential that his his career could be over because of shoulder injury and it's happening again. And I think Daniel's point last episode, like this, uh, there's more to these guys career these guys' lives than just hockey. Mm-hmm. And and I think that this is just another situation here, like similar to that. Mm-hmm. Daniel. Yeah, again, like he's only 29. It's kind of unfortunate that, you know, based on his style of play, he has to leave the game this early. But if I look back on a lot of the highlights, I'll, I'm going to have to pinpoint when he was still a youngster in 2013. And that team, that, that Blackhawks team, where we always talk about balance and everything, where – they go against the Bruins, you know, we they're public enemy number one in Toronto because we all know what happened in the first round. Um, and sorry, Alex. And it's just that lineup they had where, you know, they had Brian Bickle, they had Andrew Shaw to compliment the Marion Hosa, 
the Jonathan Taves, the Patrick Kane. And that was a team that really was built up to go against the Bruins in that, in that gr- crazy series that I thought was going to game seven before, um, yeah, before, the last Dave, minute. <laughs> yeah, before Dave Bolin said, I'll find out do it. Not today or fine. I'll do it myself. Um, you love that fan. I love that. I love that so much, but uh, yeah, I, I'm going to remember him also someone that when people think about the Blackhawks in that era where they weren't drafting too well, or they drafted people and did it, they cut bait on them a bit too quickly. Like Philip Deneau, Andrew Shaw, someone that they were able to find that depth guy that really fit into their system really late in the draft in the fifth round. And he was that guy where he just played everywhere in the lineup. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget when he tried to headbutt a goal in, in the playoffs should have counted, but God, he was, I remember his time in Montreal. It was only a couple of seasons, but he was instantly a fan favorite just because again, he was, he, you know, you can tell he was a joker. He, you know, loved to rip guys, but in like the fun way. Um, I, I missed it. I, you know what? I remember they traded him because they were clearing cap. Um, they got a decent return on him, but it was, it was around the Sebastian Ajo offer sheet. Like the day before they put it out, they traded it. Shaw. I mean, like, God, you miss him. But you know, there was stuff like when he collided with Greg Patterson and like he was out cold and, you know, yeah, always like the first guy to drop the gloves. It's just. You hate to see it cut short. A Belleville kid, too. You always love that. Um, small town guy making it to the show, winning some Stanley Cups, and become a real fan favorite along the way. Um, and this is something you love about hockey. It's like, listen, we can debate about the respect of the game between Steph Curry and LeBron James, but you know what? It's, sometimes it's, it's to the detriment of hockey, but at the same time, these depth role guys, the character guys, are just – kind of what makes up like a lot of fan favorites. And you know what? Again, um, congratulations, great career, and happy retirement to Andrew Shaw. Yeah. Just a great guy. And 65, a solid number. You don't see many 65s in the league. You got to love that stuff. Lads, you know what's pretty big for the NHL? Um, TV contracts. Charles Barkley. Oh, no. Okay, well, um, somehow I knocked my mic out again. We'll figure that out in a second. But the NHL, it's secondary broadcast US TV shenanigans. Turner Sports, we're talking talking about wrestling. WCW is coming back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, It's a seven-year deal, a lot of details, you know, regular season stuff. They will have the rights to, I believe it's the Winter Classic, three Stanley Cup finals. The deal is worth $225 million annually. And just some quick math that I did. Took me a bit too long to figure this out than I would like to. Between the two TV deals, this and the ESPN, the NHL will get altogether worth $4,375 million in their TV rights. That's over seven years? Yes. Not bad. That is very much not bad. But you know what the funny part about all of this is? It's a really big. It's a really big contract. Um, yet the cap still won't go up. Yeah, that's a separate conversation. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, well, it's it's still though a massive win for the NHL. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know how we say the NHL should should you know, they always follow the lead of the NBA and we kind of view that as a negative thing. 
in this case, it's not a negative thing. In this case, it's probably one of the best things they could have done to the, grow the game in the U.S. And we know how much Gary Bettman loves to do that. Mm-hmm. We're going to see like four additional American teams by the end of this deal. No, 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 no. Um, not- yeah. Arizona may end up in Houston by then, but. I think um, before we talk about like a lot of the other positives of this, um, it was, I forgot, I think it was Pierre Lebrun or Darren Dreger who tweeted about it where you have to think about NBC did its best to kind of hold on to this. And just, they said, you know, everything goes out to all the workers that were there for NBC sports. And uh, I guess that's the reality of when these things happen and the contracts expire. Yeah, it's true. See, There was some graphic and talking about like the deal or something. And one company had like, okay, so here are like the promotional pictures. I think it was NBC and it was, um, it was Ovechkin and Oilers captain, Andrew Ferentz. And everyone was ripping it. But do you know what? I think the article I have up here is from Greg Rashinsky. Gotta love that kind of stuff. Um, it ends a pretty long relationship with NBC, too. Um, and I mean, you kind of saw it coming that with NBC sort of shutting down a lot of sports networks that it was going to go somewhere. And you know what? There is the potential now that with TNT, like, listen, we're not, we're not going to get Shaq and Charles Barkley talking about the hockey. You might get Charles Barkley. I don't want that. <clears throat> Why? I really don't. Because well, he's done stuff before, hasn't he? They've just brought yeah. him on. To, like, he was on sport. I'm pretty sure he was on the NHL network. There's a video, a there's people- a video of him and Caprios. I, I know a lot of people like that stuff. But, like, listen, I like character. But at the same time, I don't like gibberish just being thrown around. Wait, so you didn't like you Sean? Can- yeah. Sorry, you didn't no, like- go ahead. Go ahead. You didn't like Sean Michaels commenting on the HBK line? See, the, what's funny about that is you can tell he clearly knew nothing about hockey. Like, it was cool. Like, great, here's 50-year-old Shawn Michaels talking about it. But, no, like, again, it's just, like, it's a personal taste thing. It's just, like, listen, will we get the occasional first take shenanigans from Stephen A? I mean, yeah, like, I, also, I still don't think it's going to be taken seriously by a lot of them at first. No. But, like, I just don't want Charles Barkley – just like he doesn't know half of like the depth guys in the NBA. Do we really want him coming in hockey? Do we really think he knows who Patrice Bergeron is? No, but he also has like triple the fans of most any NHL guy on on that in those networks. It's just the it's growing. It's just growing the audience. I'm not saying put him on every single night, and like I don't think that's a good idea either. Like you're right. He clearly knows. He doesn't know enough about hockey like not even close to be on every night but i think if they try to recreate that panel in not in a way that fits hockey and i was thinking about it last night i i look at kevin bxa and i say wow if you get four kevin bxas and put them on a panel that would be great yeah like like special yeah like special spots where they'll have like a a funny thing or he'll talk about it or something but i don't know more of like a meshing kind of thing where it's just what you talk about with the like the following there where there's some substance or semblance of that spreading towards i guess the hockey side of things that's all i want is like you have your personality but keep the integrity of the game please that's all i want um again like i don't watch a lot of espn 
maybe because like obviously the sports I watch are all on Sportsnet and then Sky for F1. I just it's not like golf commentators are the most like oh and then here's the shenanigan. It's just did you have the Buffalo Sabers guy for for golf? (laughs) So you say that, but when he gets, I remember when Jake McCabe. Ruined Patrick Line. You ever hear this like Shifley Line? It's Southern Ice. And you can tell, like, as his voice just goes, Line just gets dropped. He can turn up the decibels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Though, still, um, God, I'm, I'm happy for the NHL here. I'm really happy I'm doing the NHL. I have a question for you guys before we move on with this. So, yeah. a running joke with, you know, the NBA on TNT yeah. is that Shaq always says, I have four rings. So who's going to be that guy for the NHL one that just always brings that up? I um... Versteeg would have to go to BX and say, hey, buddy, you did a few <laughs> yeah. weeks ago. I mean, you could probably get Patrick Vaughn and just be like, anytime somebody's trying to tell him something, he's like, can't hear you, got my rings. You know what they should do? Okay, no, they should do this because he's not a good guy. Who? Jeremy Roenick. I someone I was listening to a podcast yesterday, and they said they that would never work. It's like because like you Charles can't control Bar- yeah. Jeremy Roenick because Charles Barkley and Shaq used to be rivals, but now they're on the same segment. And I'm like Jeremy Roenick and Patrick Law on the same segment, but no, it doesn't work. Especially because Patrick Law, once again, because everyone forgets when the Sens had an opening, he tried to make a crack. He's not doing it again. He's hired an agent. And it's really funny to me that the news came out about Wah hiring an agent the day before, I think it was on Monday, a few hours before probably Montreal's most important game of the season. He Jeez. knew what he would like. This is Patrick Wall, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Like, call, like, you know, come on, Patrick. Come on, Patrick. I mean, I <laughs> listen, I would love to see him back in the game. He's the best, but I was I was when I heard that I started looking into Patrick Waugh as a coach, and a couple a lot of people were saying, you know, he's the type of guy who wants to have control of everything, mm-hmm. and I just don't think that's gonna work in the NHL. Like it work, it, I think it works really well in the in the CHL because there's there's many instances of having coaches and GMs. Or where they're the where they're the same person, it's just it, I just it'd be really interesting to see again because we saw it in Colorado. We saw what happened in Colorado. I mean, up until the end where things between him and Sackett kind of did go a little bit sour. But I don't I don't know I don't know who's gonna take who who do you think's gonna take a chance on Patrick Waugh? Columbus. No. No. no, 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 no. no. <laughs> you just I mean, left a relationship with John Tortorella, and now you're gonna. <laughs> what you have to think about is is with Patrick Waugh, It is um, why in the world would Patrick Waugh go to Columbus? Like that, like nobody. Remember, this is Patrick Waugh who went out on top, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, listen, did they lose to Minnesota? Yeah, but like his numbers were still like Patrick Waugh has too much self respect. He left mm-hmm. when he wanted to. So he's he's going to go to a market. Like, that's what you got to remember about Patrick. And I mean, like, here's the thing. Because it's going to be a rumor no matter what happens until Ducharme gets a new contract. There's going to be links to Montreal. 
And it would be like, I don't want it, but I kind of do. Could you imagine Patrick Waugh one day pulling Gary Price? It would be terrible, but it would be so, like, it would be maximum chaos. But I, I think, so who, who needs a new coach or who is on, let's look at, like, some of the teams around the league. And I, I just don't see him, I don't think, I don't see Patrick Waugh saying, I'm going to go to Columbus. Is anything going to happen with Jeff Blaschel in Detroit? I mean, I think I think Jeremy Colton may be up in Chicago. He has two more years after this one. Never mind. Dallas aren't probably going to go anywhere. No. Nashville just got their new guy in John Hines. John Cooper should never lose his job. Quinville's not going anywhere. It sounds like it's not been easy, but Rod Brindamore is a – this is from 31 Thoughts. He's probably staying in Carolina. Um the Caps aren't going to get rid of LaViolette. Um, the no. Penguins, Sullivan's weird, but the Penguins, uh, it's not mid-season, so they can't fire the coach. Barry Trotz, he'd be an idiot. Bruce Cassidy, he'd be an idiot. Is it? Is it Jack? No, it's not Jack Quinn. What's the Rangers coach's name? It's something Quinn. Is it David Quinn? Uh, yeah, David Quinn. But he has two more years after this one, too. Philly, I And they're mean, in a weird spot, too. Like, they're like... They're figuring it out. They're giving him a chance. Yeah. Um, Philly, I mean, I would I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get rid of Vino right now because it feels like there's still some work to be done on that roster before they can him. Um, Lindy Ruff in New Jersey is kind of weird, but would Patrick go there? He's not going to Buffalo because no. A, he would command a salary where because he's Patrick Watt and he does what he wants. Um, obviously, Colorado's not happening. Minnesota's not happening. The Golden Knights aren't going to happen. Um, St. Louis? You think Maybe. they get rid of Craig Berube? Let's, okay, so let's put St. Louis to the side for a second here. Arizona? Can you no. imagine? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just, can you imagine Jordan Bimington and Patrick Waugh? Yes! Yes! <laughs> Yes. I mean, it LA. has the potential to work out, but it also has the potential to completely blow up. It's like next faces. game, listen, Jordan, this is how you do it. And then he keeps him in for 11 goals. Yeah. And that's it. Um, the Ducks, they've got their guy. The Kings, they're not going to get rid of Todd McLennan. No. Um, San Jose have Rocky Thompson as an assistant in case Bugner doesn't work out. He's not going to go to Arizona because I'm sure Wayne got out of there before damaging his reputation. Patrick's not going to do the same thing. Ottawa are with DJ Smith, and they had the chance to bring on Patrick back then. The Canucks, they, they're going to want Travis Green. I think we all know that. Yeah. It would be interesting if that goes wrong. Do they circle back to Patrick? Calgary and Daryl Sutter, who freaking knows? He has a contract, though. We mentioned mm-hmm. Montreal. Paul Maurice should not go anywhere. Um, um, Edmonton, no. Well, the other thing is what coaches, other coaches are currently available. That like there's Gerard Gallant would, and then you have to ask yourself, would who would you rather have, Gerard Gallant or Patrick Waugh? And then you have to do that with the yeah, other coaches available. So, so I guess as a coach, only, as a coach, yeah. The only team that really works is St. Louis. I think we can kind of well, determine here. So it's between Seattle. There, oh no. Because he can come in and like establish his own thing, you know, it's nothing that he's breaking the mold. Well, let's just say for the sake of argument's sake, because I think it locks makes a lot of sense that Gerard Gallant could work in Seattle because it just kind of does. Um, or you could bring barbecue Bruce, one of the two. So then available would be for St. Louis either like Claude Julian, Patrick Waugh, um, 
Bruce Boudreau. Yeah, yeah, one of Bruce Boudreau or Gerard Gallant, whoever doesn't end up in Seattle. Um, I don't know if there are any hot NCAA guys or guys in the world. Like, in the AHL, leave Joe Bouchard alone. Oh, there's Andre Tierney, uh, Tierney but I don't think he's going to – because he's play, He's going to coach the World Juniors again. So, yeah, so, so and you would hope that, like, he would do the Ducharme thing of having an assistant spot first. You don't go from a World Junior straight to the head coach. Like, you need some time there. Unless you're, so, yeah, um, if, if you're, unless you're saying, Brent Sutter. Yeah. Who went from the World Juniors to the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, and how did that, how did that go? <laughs> That's funny. He actually had a winning record. Yeah. Same thing with Claude Julien when he was in New Jersey, if I'm going to go on the side. They both had winning records towards the end of the season. But the Lula Morello's like, yeah, they didn't prepare the teams for the playoffs, even though they were like first in their division. And then Lula Morello yes. took over as coach, yes. like both times. So basically, it would, it would be a race if you're St. Louis and you're like, we don't like how this is going. And right now, they're in a good spot to make the playoffs. They're, they got three games in hand with a, and a point over the out, so they should be fine. But if they underperform, who knows? So I think basically what we can draw from looking at everything right now is there's not a great chance he's going to get a job, but it is the NHL. That's true. He could wait, see until someone is on the hot seat. Uh, and and you know what? That could be Dominic Ducharme. Maybe. It could be. Where does he go after, though? I don't know. I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of speculation with that. Where would Dom Ducharme go? Yeah, where would he go after? I think he sits – that's a good question because – don't forget – because Elaine Nezardine went back. Is Elaine Nezardine, did he go back with New Jersey and just kind of step to the side? I believe so. I don't know if Ducharme does that. Um, I don't think he'd have the same role or it'd be a bit mixed up because they have – obviously they have – Alex Burroughs, I don't know, but at the same time, if, if Ducharme doesn't do the job, then, like, sorry, but I don't know. Patrick Waugh, though, um, I, listen, I think we all, for the entertainment value, would love to see him back in the league. Just the greatest goalie of all time. Arguably. No, undisputedly. Arguably. Undisputedly. We're going to have this debate again. <laughs> no, you see, this is unfair. I'll take a step back. That's the thing. So he could call Will, but like, who can I call to be like Martin Broder? I have to call Marty himself. Call Dude, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, the official yeah. car provider of the NHL. They come on. Represent. Like, hey, who do you think you are? Talk about Martin Broder like that. I don't know. But he's, oh, he's all right. He's all right. He's all right. You know, that's pretty all right. Canada's U18 team. I mean, oh the intention that Connor Bedard and Shane Ryder are getting, Shane Wright, Captain, they destroyed Sweden last night. But I think it was eleven to one when I last looked at that score. Yeah, he had the right angles last night. Yeah, the right angle. I'm, I think you have a lot of things right if you get eleven. Speaking of eleven to one, Patrick Live, we're talking about it. I mean, Shane right. I think he's not even. He's eligible next year, right? Next year, yeah. Because yeah. it's the eighteen. Insane. But they've been talking about him. I've been hearing his name like last three years. He got exceptional status, right? We talked yeah, he about did. this. Like, so I think, it, and that was last season? Since then, yes. it, it's been really all about the kid. Yeah, he, I, I had the game on um, last night. I turned it off at like 8 nothing, not because I didn't want to watch the game. I just was tired. Um, and it was like, my God, it's like every time I looked up, it was just Canada scoring another goal. <laughs> I kind of felt bad for, for Sweden, to be honest. 
Mm-hmm. By the way, how how bad does it look that they're still going on all this? And it's like, yeah, yeah. We're, we're still figuring out a city for the women's game because we're the double IHF and we kind of suck. But yeah, I don't know. This is another. Well, it's not really breaking news. It was three hours ago. Ooh. But um, yeah. when we talk about women's hockey, the National Women's Hockey League announced today a substantial salary cap increase for the really? season. Yes, yeah. in 2021, they, they doubling, doubling from 150,000 to 300,000 per team. That's really good. The yeah. fact that they can do that in, in the cap era, in the um, cap era. The fact that they can do that too right now in um, the world as they are right now, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I'm sure it helps with Montreal coming in. Probably. (laughs) I can imagine that influx of uh, cash does help a lot. Pretty awesome. That's actually really, really cool to hear. Um, Daniel, I'm assuming you put Shane Ryan in the dock because World Juniors will eventually be opening in this man's. Because he, I believe, he made the team, but or he was he was part of the squad, but I believe COVID may have come out, or did he get cut? Uh, no, he was just one of the final cuts. Like, really, was he? It. Yeah, because um, I don't know it's you know like unless you're, which is funny, unless you're like Connor McDavid. Sidney Crosby. Well, McDavid didn't make it as a 16-year-old, but like Crosby, Jason Spezza, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Jay Bomeister, Wayne Gretzky, you don't really make it as a 16-year-old. No, you 16, don't. 17-year-old, but he's going to be one of those guys that I think based on his analysis of where he's going to go in the draft and how that draft next year is going to be, I think he's going to be one of those guys that just – Probably gonna start on the third, fourth line, but then suddenly becomes the main the main scoring threat at the end of the tournament. Sounds like a Mappineers type player, honestly. Except yeah. other team. And like what you kind of reference there is normally what happens is is like if you're 17 and you make it, you're like fourth liner or seventh defenseman, like AKA Drysdale. Uh, Byfield got that treatment, Lafreniere, and then the next season you come and score in. The mm-hmm. fact that he's doing it at this young age, ooh. Kids get excited about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's. I'm, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see how. It, I actually really wanted it because it was such an unusual year. I wanted him to make it the past year, and they, they kind of did go with kind of like the run of the mill kind of team, where like the guys who came back, the guys who were already drafted. Uh, they really actually really other than um, Jordan Spencer, they went with mostly first and second round picks. Jack Quinn's on the team, right? Yeah, he was eighth, I believe. Yeah, eighth or ninth, around there. Because Marco Rossi went ninth. Mm-hmm. Wherever New Jersey were, were that? Well, Buffalo eighth was that it? No, Buffalo was eighth because Alexander Buffalo, uh, took, Buffalo yeah. took Jack Quinn because Alexander Holtz went to New Jersey. I thought, yeah. I thought New Jersey took Jack Quinn. No, they took Holtz. Oh, I got mixed up. Alexander Holtz. That was a weird draft. Actually, looking back, like the fact that um. That Rossi fell. I was like, "What are you doing here?" Uh, same with the kid that that Winnipeg got. Cole Perfetti. Perfetti, uh, that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta have, um, gotta have a certain, certain uh, Mr. Axelrod on the show to talk about that. I think he's a wrestling fan too. Yeah. Um, I've been talking with the DMs with him, trying to get him. We'll uh, we'll bring him on one day. Yeah. Gavin, if you're listening to this, we'll have you on. Amen. Okay. Where were we gonna go from here? 
anyway. You Let's already mentioned it. Yeah. You you kind of mentioned Spezza there, so I think we might as well mention him now. We'll look at some of the playoff clinching in a, in a second here. Um, these little snippets are from a Brandon Mar- Marin article from The Score. Um, the AHL's players' minimum salary for this season is $51,000. Per the league CBA, though, um, in the shortened season, the minimal gate revenue and player salaries reduced by 52%, apparently. Um, I did some quick math. It's basically like 25 k We're fine. So pretty bad, right? But Jason Spezza apparently led an initiative in which a group of Toronto Maple Leafs players pulled together money to make a contributions to their AHL counterparts. And what makes this really special is I remember when everyone was kind of thinking about the season going on and wondering, when's this league going to start, that league going on? We're still questioning about the CHL and that. Um, a big problem was the ECHL guys and like their bonuses, their season not happening. Yeah. Um, but Jason Spezza is, I'm going to ask you guys a question about him a little later here, but still um, just a, a, a simply put gentleman move by Jason Spezza to put out this, like all this together, as well as of course the least players who all contributed, but Jason Spezza, what a freaking guy. Take away the part that he placed for the Leafs, just for me, like I'm, I don't want to sound biased, but like, I just think that's a really like that's a good guy move. Oh yeah, uh, especially considering like, yeah, he's on league min, but like this guy's been playing in the league for how many years? He's made his money, I think it's, right? The article had him at eighty nine million dollars earnings. Okay, that I did not know, um, but like he's made his money. Yeah, uh, and the fact that he's doing this is just a good guy thing. Hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think what Elliot Friedman talked about it on 31 Thoughts, that it's just it's just another example of what you expect from a guy like Jason Spezza, where when we talked about, you know, exceptional status, we talked about a guy that was hyped up since he was 13 and everything, and he just stayed consistent from, you know, and I trust them with a... Jeff and Elliot said, like, he stayed consistent throughout his career of being this type of good guy. And one thing that... I really took from that is that we, we, we fail to realize sometimes is we talk about the expenses that it takes to live in Toronto and to not have that steady paycheck and to not have that revenue coming in. Um, it, it adds up. And we know that these guys are pro guys, but again, when we talk about salaries, talk about the NHL, talk about these guys with their families, it's another thing to factor in when you're not getting the same type of, like when we talk about the NHL not getting a lot of you know recognition and getting a lot more of the exposure that other major leagues are uh, getting, like I think about now, like the minor leagues, where even on the best of days, it's not getting the same amount of uh, recognition. And I remember when we were talking about those articles in the summer about just these teams that were losing; they were they were taking a loss like crazy. We're and at every level of the of the every level of hockey and to kind of think that man, like for these things to keep on going, like you need, you need the support of, of your major, of your NHL team to really help you like along the lines. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine what like sort of like the lesser AHL teams are going through, like the Barracuda in San Jose, like you see pictures of them when they had fans in the stands and you think it's COVID how empty the arena is. Um, or like you feel bad, I think it's the, is it, 
I always get it mixed up. Is it the? It's not Tuscan Raiders. Um, is it the, the two Scott the Eight, like Arizona Road Runners. Runners. Road Runners. Yes, that's it. Yeah, the mix of Looney Tunes and Star Wars. You know, they used to be in Toronto. Really? They used to be the Toronto Road Runners, but they were the affiliate for the uh, Edmonton Oilers because that, that was when the Leafs had the St. John's Maple Leafs. Can we talk about how funny it is that the, the Coyotes have a Road Runner as an AHL team? <laughs> that had to have been done on purpose. Probably. I like it. That's just a guess. One <laughs> of the few things I like about the Coyotes. Yeah, them and those juicy. Oh, no, you don't like those jerseys. Yeah. Okay, I if if they didn't have the cacti at the bottom, it's barely even knows. Anyway. It just it look it makes it look like a fake jersey to me. <laughs> so I was thinking about this Jason Spezza thing, and I thought, you know what? Is Jason Spezza not the perfect sort of community guy that the Sens would love to have? Okay. I actually had that feeling with things when, like, it was, like, at the height of the Battle of Ontario. Mm-hmm. I didn't, like, I was, this is when, like, I was, I don't know. I just did not like the Senators. Like, I did not like Patrick Laleem. I did not like, well, I liked Marion Hossa later on, but I didn't like Hossa when he had the colored visor. I always thought that was a bit of an arrogant move. Um, oh, Mike, you sound like Mike. <laughs> um, I didn't like Zdeno Chara, especially. <laughs> Um, but it's just something about J. Oh, especially yeah, you know, I have no one like Daniel Atkinson in Toronto, but that's the obvious one. But when I think about Jason Spezza, it's like even then, when I was a kid, I like sensed it or somehow like I could not not like this guy. Mm-hmm. That good player, like he just in a weird way, like he was reluctantly on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I unfortunate. I mean, you know. He made the cup final. He had a decent thingy. I mean, no, he made yeah, no, yeah, he made the cup final. Yeah, too bad the Suns couldn't do anything. But because who that, did they lose to that year, Dan? That was the Ducks. That was the Ducks, eh? When they were super stat. That was when um, Pronger and Niedermeyer were both Norris candidates. I was gonna say, how the hell do you shut down Alfredson? Um, would that, would that have been Alfredson, Spezza, and Heatley? Yeah. Oh, yeah. and that—that's Heatley, like prime Heatley, when he got the money for like Eugene. 1507. Yeah. yeah, God, 1507. Danny Heatley, what a weird career that guy had. Yeah, it just yeah. went from 1507 to like ger- the German League and just disappeared. What you think weird- he goes back to uh, the Sens? Not like as a player, but as a. Wait, Heatley? Like in, in that. Yeah. Oh, no. Danny Heatley. No, not Spencer. at this point. I think the Leafs do everything they try and not to. Listen. He could have. I'm sure if he had chosen to, I feel like they would have worked something out for him to go to to Ottawa over the summer. Because you got to remember, he requested a trade out of Ottawa. Yeah, but when they when they were in the midst of still being a playoff team. Yeah, but you know what? You can still go to a guy at the end of his career and try and be like, "Hey, listen, buddy. Like, can we try and mend some fences here?" But I think the fact that the Leafs got him and have really like you can see how important he is. I would be amazed if they let him leave that organization like that he's going to be there for a while listen ottawa he's ours now no we okay no he's not no he's not if you remember if you remember jason spetz as a leaf in, in five years you're doing it wrong i remember him as the dallas star see what's kind of <laughs> weird is i would do that too because that's what i remember like man spetz of ben and sagan and then it's yeah, it's really weird you know what and credit to him i thought after like those last few years in dallas i thought he was done because he was not great. Did. 
Yeah. 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 He was on the fourth line getting almost $8 million. But I, I think it's, the, it's always comes back to that though. Right. The price tag. Like we're, we, we've had this, how many discussions have we had about different players when they're on their big contracts, then they sign for significantly less. And it's like, well, oh, he looks much better when he's making $700,000. Yeah. Right. All right. Um, well, lads. Um, I say, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just stick on the leaf stuff and we'll, we'll look at the, um, how playoffs are starting to shape out in a little bit here. Um, after what looked like a pretty innocent collision with Jake Muzzin, turns out Nick Ehlers is out for the rest of the regular season. Now, people need to remember when you hear, and we hear a lot of the out for the regular season nowadays, and what people need to realize is the Jets have eight games left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's out um, for the season. Unless you're Winnipeg, it's about 10 games left for most teams. So, and I mean, I, but even though you do hope Winnipeg are going to be praying that a lot of their guys are going to be back because they got murdered by Edmonton and they have been all year and they're probably facing each other in the first round. Um, but that was weird because it like, it looked like he was just kind of like, ah, uh, like typical, like Spets is, I mean, not Spets, Jesus. Muzzin was going for it and he's kind of like, I don't know, tried to like bounce him back. But then it, I felt like it was that then he kind of like went into the boards and it looked really, really awkward. Like it's not like he fell into it. He just kind of bounced into it. And it has to be shoulder or something like that because they just say it's upper body. I don't think they've actually said anything, but it looked like it was something in that area. Yeah, it's probably, and, probably that. And I think Jets fans are kind of like all what Axelrod was saying is like no comment at this time. No, yeah. I, I think that's a huge, I think that's a big injury. I know there's only eight games left and I guess – what they're fighting for a lot of is they're fighting for a home ice advantage in the first round. Uh, Cause Edmonton's now surpassed them. They still have two games. Edmonton still has two games in hand, but from what I've been reading about Nick Ehlers, like a, a lot of people have been saying he has been one of the bright spots for that team this season, if not like their best player this season and considering his, what surrounded him the last few years in terms of he was, it seemed like this guy was always on the trade block and now the one, and now he's not like, it doesn't, I haven't heard a single trade rumor about mm-hmm. Nikolai Ehlers since the beginning of the season. I kind of agree. Like when we talk about the, this top six that you've seen so many changes, um, you see the Patrick line, trade, you see Pierre-Luc Dubois coming in, you see the shifting between consistency and consistency with Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley. These guys getting in and out of the lineup. Sometimes Andrew Cobb comes into the top six, like we saw in the playoffs last year. When you take that all out, you still get a Nick Ehlers. You get someone who's been so consistent for them, someone who's always been there that he's been able to kind of really live up to that contract they gave him. And I admit, you know, I got kind of mad at him on Saturday. I don't know. It's just sometimes with me. I don't know something with veterans. And when he got into Thornton's face, I'm like, yeah, gosh, like Nick Ehlers, like, why did I ever give you any praise? But, you know, coming back to my senses now, I realized that he is a good player. He's doing what he needs to do for the team. And I just didn't know he was hurting. Like for the amount of battles he had with Thornton, like after that check, I just thought, you know, it was business as usual, but for a Jets team that has been going through so many changes, like now, when I talk about that top nine, we, we also look back on how many changes they made on their defense, and that's still adjusting too. And for them to be in a way, not in a hobbling kind of way, but it just really takes out a crucial X factor for them going into the playoffs. 
Mm-hmm. I think and I, I think Maurice did say that he should be fine for it, but I would imagine that I, you got to always wonder how many guys are going to be back for the playoffs, but they are just very clearly not 100%. Um, it's always a question, not to mention how everyone must be feeling right now with sort of the schedule getting so sticky, especially I, I can't imagine what shape the, the Canucks are going to be looking like, like soon. Yeah. Um, but you know who will be fully healthy, though? Mm-hmm. Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. 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 That's a bad one. That's a bad one. Um, but hey, make a better cap system. Another update with an injury player um, Frederick Anderson is healthy. Or kind of, maybe he's practicing. Practicing. Um, I Progress. do find it a little funny that it's like, hey, Bogosian's hurt for the year. Oh, Freddie's skating. I was kind of thinking, okay, all right. Then. Well, I don't still don't think he can play though. Yeah, uh, but uh, if they're to all of a sudden talking about that he can come back, if there's a possibility that he comes back in the regular season, that's a hundred percent. We got the cap room now. I guarantee it. Because they can't make their moves at the deadline without Freddie being hurt. I'm not saying that they were pulling crap back and they kind of were. They I'm not saying were. that they were purposely keeping him out, but it is funny. I don't. I don't think they were purposely keeping him out. I think they. I, I think it was a discussion between the two parties, um, between Freddie and between who Keith and Dubis. Like, I don't. If I'm being honest, I'd rather have Freddie at a hundred percent. I think I'm fine with. I was fine with Campbell and and Riddick or Hutchinson being the backup, but having a hundred percent healthy Freddie, where he's 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 bit he's rested and he's healthy, is a huge advantage because the Leafs have never had that. He's either always been tired or has been injured because they've never had a backup, mm-hmm. um, right? So I think there was dis. I, I don't know if it was much. I, I don't think they were saying, Freddie, like, don't don't come back. Don't come back. Where it was like both were very open to this idea. Because if Freddie has a good playoff run, let's say, what that that does change what could change what his contract looks like in the summer. Mm-hmm. Is this Toronto's version of Nikita Kucherov, of uh, mm-hmm. Frederick yeah. Anderson and yes. a Riley Nash coming in? Yeah, of course yes. it is. Yes. Everyone knows that it is. Yes, everyone. It's, okay. it, they are the worst. The LTIR stuff is the worst kept secret in the league right now. The litter, yes. Like again, Tampa don't pull off. Tampa Bay don't have Sorelli right now if Kucherov's healthy. He doesn't have a contract. Yeah. So and Tyler Johnson would probably be a Detroit Red Wing right now, knowing the how only or Henrik Zetterberg's a Tampa Bay Lightning in contract stuff. They weren't perfect with it though. You know why? Why? You know, not like they got David Savard too. They didn't bring back Carter Verhage. <laughs> well, that's because they can they don't they can just uh, save that three hundred K and then bring someone else random that we probably have never heard of and he'd still be fine. It's like saying, Hey, they got rid of Jonathan Marsh and so I bet they feel terrible about it. No, they don't. No, no they do not. No. Yeah, their Twitter comments, yeah. You know, don't we don't want him back. I mean, yeah, no, after he's like going on, he's got, man, just I, I lost all sympathy for Vegas ever since that San Jose game seven because it's like, yeah, bad call, kill the penalty off. It's not hard, yeah. just kill it off. Mm-hmm. Um, just ridiculous stuff. 
Um, and then I guess we can also sort of say here, before getting into Montreal specifically, we can preview the game tonight because it's Leafs and Habs. It's going to be, I think, like, listen, as a Habs fan, I have just seen three straight games against the Calgary Flames that are doing their best impression of the early 2000s Devils. So I am going into tonight hoping that there is a fun game to be played. Hopefully. Be, who are, I mean, anything can beat those three, like especially that last game. Anything can Mm. Be, be anything can beat that. I don't know what Daryl Sutter has done to the Calgary Flames, but my God. I have a question for you guys. Yeah. So heading into this preview of this fun game. Hopefully fun. Who are your top three fun guys for this fun game? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Calm down now. Oh, man. Um, Cole Caulfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rasmus Sandin, and I I want to see what Nick Foligno looks like. Like I I know he's he's only played a couple games, um, with the Leafs, but I, uh, against Montreal, I'm very interested to see what he looks like against them. Okay, Adam. Um, is Nick Robertson playing tonight? I don't think he's going to play the rest of the uh, year. I was really looking forward to seeing him versus Caulfield. Just to shut up, Twitter. Just for that to happen. Um, yeah, no, obviously Cole for me. And, you know, we'll talk about kind of him in a second. We focus on the Habs. But um, I just think it was kind of rough that I thought he had a good first period versus the Flames. But then it's just the Flames then played their game for the rest of it. And, hey, offensive, great young talent. And then it's like, oh, crap, we're playing the Flames. They're just going to clog up the neutral zone. I think – you're going to see a Habs-Leafs game that hopefully is a bit more open. You get to see Caulfield sort of uh, let loose a bit more, especially that he'll be playing with Toffoli and Suzuki tonight. That's an exciting line. Um, yeah, Sandine's another one for me too because he just I just can't wait to see him. Like, he's going to get more and more comfortable, right? Especially if he really does, like, they commit to getting some good power play time there. Um, I'm always interested to watch Mitch Marner. I love always to watch him. Um, as well as it's not really – like the, the traditional fun, but anytime Jake Muzzin and Josh Anderson get to play each other, it's always a bit of fun. It's always a good bit of fun. Um, that's definitely it for me. Um, and honorable mention, seeing Romanov get to play the, the uh, power play tonight will be kind of interesting. Those are my fun guys. I think right. a lot of fun on both sides here. It that's should crazy. be a freaking fun game. Should be. My three mm-hmm. guys are, I don't know, I have a feeling Alex Galchenyak. Of course you would. Yeah. Um, Corey Perry. Okay. No bias there. And... We'll be think he's fun when he falls on a backhand. <laughs> when he pulls his normal Corey. There was a play when like the puck clearly went out of play and it fell back down onto the goalie and he just, he just kind of gave him a nudge. And naturally everyone went after him because it's Corey Perry, but. And um, such a dick. as on the on that point too, it'd be Wayne Simmons because it's just when you have a Perry like a Sherratt, a Josh Anderson God, yeah. on your team, I want to see them against like what what they do in terms of you know matching that heaviness. So I honorable mention for me would be Jake Muzzin in that situation too. I guess yeah, this is I think this is Sherratt's first game against the Leafs since he's came back from injury. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So um, you also that also means Austin Matthews is is gonna have a, a few run-ins with that pairing. I can't right. just watch the net front battle today, ladies and gentlemen. Wayne Simmons on the first line. No, Maybe. it's gonna be Nick Foligno. 
That would be interesting, too, to see how Felino like, sort of adds to that next. If Alex Galchenyuk does not score in any of these last few games versus the Habs, I'll be a happy man. I really will. But I can't see it not happening. Oh, wait. First line, Felino. Yeah. Okay. Matthews. Okay. Wayne Simmons. No. Yes. No, they're not going to split up Matthews Absolutely. and Marner. They'll yeah. never- Put a bruiser in, like, every line. Okay. You know the Canadians aren't thugs, right? I know, I know. I'm just... Okay, so I'm not. I'm not (laughs) saying. I'm not. I don't know. I. I'm not saying they're going to do that. But one thing I can see Keith doing because he, not that he shied away from it, but I think it's worked so well. The the lines that they've had for a lot of the season has worked so well, with the exception of that second left wing spot, where they've kind of rotated guys. I can really see Keith experimenting with what to do with that second line, like. Because if you look at last year when when they were down in situations, they kind of threw William Nylander at center and kind of just deserted him by himself. And they never did that in the regular season. So you're throwing William Nylander on center, who, by the way, is not a center. And he's never he didn't get any practice or chemistry with the guys he would be playing with. So I can really imagine Sheldon Keefe changing things up a little bit mid-game just to try something new. Daniel. I, I kind of agree with that. Um, I think it's just for me. I know they're not thugs with anything. It's just with the way Montreal plays. It's just when you look at every line, they have like that balance I like a lot. Where they have the speed. They have those skilled guys. But at the same time, like you say, oh, a Josh Anderson or maybe – a Corey Perry here and there to just kind of give them kind of that edge. Um, again, what I've said before, it's a difference between what they had last year and the same thing with Toronto too, where they just have this lineup where I think for me, I'm just getting overly excited from the fact that there's so many combinations you can do now or what he's, what Alex said about on the fly changes where you would like to see certain guys kind of mesh here and there um, playing these different types of situations where I think you you create more value with that with your bottom six because you have all these guys that could move up and down the lineup and it's just not really like one defined rule where they say, okay, you're on the fourth line and we're just going to ride with that. Would you like me? I can. I got up the Leafs lineup. I'm going to get Montreal's up too. We can just kind of do a little cheeky comparison. Or like these are from the Leafs lines yesterday. Um, I can't quite see anything from today, but I'm guessing because they had the day off, right? Or day off, but, you know, the game in between. So the Leafs, it has Felino, Marner, and Matthews. It yeah. has Galchenyuk, Tavares, and Nylander. It's Mikheyev, Kerfoot, Simmons. It's Thornton, Brooks, um, Spezza. That line um, has been great as a fourth line, by the mm-hmm. way. Just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then on the Montreal side, and by the way, it's Muzzin, uh, Muzzin Hall, Riley Brody, Sandine Dermott, the extra pairing was Hutton and Mullerin. Uh For Montreal, it's a bit of a thingy because um, Montreal all of a sudden, um, now the Leafs are missing uh, Hyman. Montreal are now missing Thomas Tatar, uh, Paul Byron, and now Jonathan Druin. So the lines are a bit messy right now, but it, the cap has allowed them to bring some guys into the lineup. A.K. Lekkinen, Dinoa, and Anderson. Suzuki is playing with Caulfield and Defoli. I am so excited to watch that. Um, then you've sort of, and like you can, I guess you can kind of see there, Daniel, is like the Lekkinen-Anderson line is just that total, like we all know what Anderson's about. 
and like Lekkonen and that, like that's the, like, I, let's be honest, the Deneau line is going up against Matthews as it does every, every night. Um, the third line is Perry, Army, and Kakin. I mean, that can be pretty nasty. And then the fourth line's really interesting. Jake Evans is centering um, Eric Stahl and Mikhail Frolik is apparently drawing him. Um, and then the third pairing is apparently Romanov and John Merrill. So that'll be pretty cool to see. So I no think Eric like, Gustafson. No, it was uh, John Lou had him, um, but then he said he might have caught him on the rotations. Apparently, it is John Merrill. Good because I saw Gustafson and Romanov. I'm like, yeah, we need. Yeah, no, <laughs> please, we not do that. Random um, shout out, by the way, to sorry? John Lou. Random shout out to John Lou. He's great. Because he got white cement Jordan 4s with the Nike Air on the back. And that is a throwback to Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. He's He's got all the style in the world, eh? Um, so, like, what's interesting is, like, so you have the bruiser, as Daniel will call him when he's not. But I'm noticing in both second line, like, I'm, I'm still not going to call Galchenyuk a grinder. Like his skill will always, I think, outshine that in his game. And especially when he has the consistency, I think he's had as a leaf. You can see both there, like the Suzuki line compared to the Tavares line right there is probably the only one that is a bit more, I'd say they all battle, but there's a lot more skill on those two lines. I wonder if that's the matchup. Like, I'm like, who doesn't want to see Nylander and Caulfield trade chances all night? That would be some pretty good hockey. And then, then the rest of it, I think there's some good balance there. Um, and uh, it's probably going to be Campbell versus Jake Allen, by the way. We can all probably um, see that. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be, I really hope it's a good game. Because so after this, we still have, is it the two or three? I thought it was the third, the three game series, but I think the COVID stuff kind of screwed everything up. So I'm going to quickly get the schedule up here. And we can see right, because it is a three game series. Because after yeah. this, there is the May 3rd, 6th, and 8th. Okay, so. It is a three game, but Montreal played the Sens in the middle of it. Oh. God damn it. <laughs> so odd. That's annoying. Oh my God. Yeah, but at least Montreal has some room to end the rest of the season. Like they got some rest here. Um, these games are actually pretty important in the way of, besides obviously getting points, they, they mean a lot more than Montreal, to be honest. At least basically have first locked up. That says you with Winnipeg and Edmonton are just going to be taking points away from each other at this point. Um, yeah is that there's this weird kind of scenario actually looking at it that towards the end of the season, the Jets and, and the you know Jets and Edmonton are doing their thing right now. Um, at the end of the season, we have Calgary and Vancouver playing a lot of games against each other, which is as long as they stay in regulation are massive for Montreal if there's a split there. Um, and then it is the idea that Montreal will have a more difficult season because they are playing the Leafs. Now you hope that with the Leafs locking up in those last three games, maybe they pull some guys out. They end the season with two games versus Edmonton, who they actually played pretty well. But then they play the Jets and the Sens, who somehow have had Montreal's number all year. Yeah. Um, so this is really for Montreal, I'd say, a, a um, I want to say a must win. I don't think that's necessarily the case. But I think worst case scenario, you would like to see a point come out of this game. Uh, that's just me. And of course the Leafs just want to keep rolling and keep getting momentum going into, uh, and going into the first round. Yeah. I, I'd like the momentum to continue from the last game against uh, Winnipeg. Like mm-hmm. that, that's, I don't, don't have high expectations in terms of if they win, if they, if they win, if they lose, if they lose, I think the important thing is 
Like, I think we kind of know for the most part who the four teams in the playoffs are going to be. Like, what are the actual chances Calgary does catch up? I know it, there is a chance. It's small. For I think in my mindset for the Leafs, it's okay. You need to keep the momentum going. You need to play. You got to play like you did against Winnipeg because that's what's going to win you games in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Not the style points, not the whatever, not the extra pass here and there. It's getting the puck, putting it in the back of the net, playing t- like strong defense. Like it's very. You have to play hard. Yeah, you got to play hard. Like that's what's going to win you games. And that's what's probably lost you games in previous playoff uh, series. It's definitely the idea of you need to play the like rip on the flames, but there is, and it's never down to this level, but still there's the idea of you got to play the boring hockey. Um, the playoffs, the trap system, are not okay. You don't need to do the trap, but if it's the third period, you don't, you can clog up the zone and just send and just dump it and send one guy in, right? You don't need to just play a one, three, one, right? Like no one wants it to happen, but there is the like the lock it down, right? That's what's really important. That is playoff hockey. Um, that and you know what the aspect of the rules, like the rules, completely change, and we don't talk about that because apparently it doesn't exist, says the commissioner. But we all know it does. Anything else? Yeah. Looking at tonight's game. Uh, not tonight's game. It was just something about uh the way they've deployed Cole Caulfield. Okay. Well, we can we can we can shift to Montreal right now then. Um, okay. Uh, first off, I think we should mention. Um, I got my Drew in jersey on today, just because he is—he's out indefinitely, dealing with a personal whatever. We don't know the details. We don't need to know the details. All we need to know is um, that hopefully Jonathan Drew is okay and everything around. He was missing some games, but they were saying an illness that was not COVID. Um, but whatever it is, uh, well wishes to Jonathan Drew. He's been the whipping boy in Montreal for a couple of years now. I don't think he deserves it. Um, and hopefully he comes back and he's stronger than ever. Um, Not that this really matters. Is it just the regular season or is it kind of this? There is hasn't been any. Ducharme and and rightfully so has been very fair. He's like every time they've asked me, he's been like, you know what? Today I'm looking at Jonathan Drew and the person, not the right. player. Um, they have they've been very secret about any certain details, um, which makes even sense. The media asked to know, and it was like, why? Stop it! Exactly. Like even Mark Dumont was like, hey, can we like quit it? And like, you know, this guy used to work at the Atlantic. It's just, I don't know. The what best. Like yeah. it was, I, I found it interesting that they put in the statement. We ask that you please respect your aunt's privacy. And like in the first, in the first time they get to ask questions that the media asks that. Yeah. <sighs> Even Eric Angles was doing it, and I was like, man, just he asked about Carey Price, who apparently is getting testing done tomorrow, or is it today? And they're finding out tomorrow, but exactly it's up. Hopefully, he's okay, god damn it. Um, but in his meantime, Jake Allen has done exactly what he has been needing to do. Um, and I'm guessing that's why he has been put in the dock here. And I'm guessing one of you wanted to say something about him quickly, um, because I love him and. Yeah, um, we love Jake Allen, World Junior legend. Um, should have won the gold medal, John Carlson. But anyways, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just his numbers. It's just he's been impressive this 
this year. And for what he's been able to do, what's been going on with the record, it's just he's been holding the fort. And I think I just put him here because he is going to be one of the bigger factors going in, especially when we don't know the status of what Carey Price's timetable is going to be, especially with this condensed schedule right now. And I'm not sure how many games are going to give Caden Primo, but I, I guess I would put Jay Allen in there because it is just, just a factor of a guy where we, we think about like, we sometimes think about what his ceiling is sometimes, but then he'll have a playoffs like he had last year. He, um, he's so getting claimed by Seattle, by the way, they had a list of all the RFA and UFA, UFA goalies. And you're like, Drew, you're like, they're taking him. Uh, it's just because Spencer Knight's coming and playing pretty well. And it's like Rask, UFA, and like just all these guys. And there's there's Jake Allen this in turn. And you're like, God damn it. Oh, no, they're going to lose him. He was a joy to have when we could. Um, but, yeah, he's doing exactly what he needs to do. Um, like against the Flames, I think his record ended up being like two and six or something. But it was just like his save percentage was just rocket high because he was playing so well. God, Jake Allen, I really miss that guy. Did you ever do that in uh, NHL, by the way? You all you only look at their save percentage. And then even if they have a losing record, you still sign them because I do that all the time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, this is a really random tangent thing. But even if you have like crazy defense and everything fits the coach's system, like I don't know why my goalies save percentage. Like we, mm-hmm. they have a winning record, but it's still like 907. Never works, man. You're lucky to get that high. I average, like my guys normally average in 901, 902. And I'm like, Okay, we won the Stanley Cup, but apparently I have no goaltender. <laughs> cool. I'm the Chicago Blackhawks of Antti Nieni. Fantastic news. Um, God damn it. I, that, that game is f- so frustrating. It's, it's a love-hate relationship. When was the last time you guys turned it on by curiosity? A while ago. Three days ago? Once, oh, wow. once Caulfield, he's played, so he should be in the game anytime now. The moment yeah, the I log thing. on and I, and I see that he's there, I'm playing again, but like I've purposely not been playing. Cause it's like all of to play the Habs. You need to have like all their top prospects. The problem is you can't play half of them because they're not in, in Canada. It's like American players, Romanov. We had to wait till he played again. It was so frustrating. Like Caulfield. I just, I hope they didn't do him dirty. Like they did Romanov and Kale Flurry. But um, anyway, um, you talk about love-hate relationship, by the way. I feel like that's a relationship Montreal have with Brett Kulak because it's just... I haven't heard his name in a while. Yeah, well, PC hasn't been playing. <laughs> because John Merrill came in and was like, hey there. I'm basically the defenseman they've always wanted Brett Kulak to be. <laughs> He's got great hair, by the way. He does. He has what we would call the real mullet. Yes. Because people in this day and age real. think a mullet is just long hair. No. When it's 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 business in the front, party in the back. In the back. And John <laughs> Merrill has a real mullet. And do you know what? I hope they keep him because he has made a lot of really good, smart plays where it's like, there we go. Like there was the um like a thing of Gustafson just skated right into Cole Caulfield in his first game. Cool. And John Merrill got back and made a pretty decent play to stop the chance. It was like I wish Sherrod did that. Was the that when Eric Gustafson was playing on the wing? Or no, he was he was a, he was playing defense. <laughs> he was I don't know what they're doing. Um, a side effect though of Jonathan Druin now being out is Montreal's cap problems are just all of a sudden gone because the salary cap is the the 
uh, it's the worst thing in hockey. It, it seriously is. Why is it after the deadline, first of all, you have a, like, a certain number of, um, of call-ups? Now, there was a big hoopla because when Caulfield got called up, technically, Romanov, for salary cap reasons, had to go to the taxi squad. And that would then mean for the rest of the season, it would only have been you can use that call-up because Caulfield came on via emergency call-up. At the same time, like Byron, Tatarit, everyone was out. It was a complete mess. That's where, like, Primo was on emergency. Like, Montreal's, like, roster decisions over the past week has been something to look at. So, but with Jonathan Druin being out now, all of a sudden, now Primo can be the backup. Jake Evans can finally draw in. Um, like, the problems are gone now. It's, it's actually really, really cool. Not that Jonathan's out, but still, like, all these guys are in. So now Romanov is back in as well. Caulfield can play and all that. And, again, that now we have seen Caulfield play his first game. It was against the Calgary Flames. Oh, sorry. By the way, um, yeah, Merrill is basically the defenseman they always won. I want to bring that up. Kulak is so gone, and I'm going to miss him. Um, but, like, it's so like the, it's written in that he's, he's gone now. I miss you, Kool-Aid. I'm happy you scored this year. I'll remember you in my heart. Um, you have to play that song. What? I will remember. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, oh, by myself, because that's he's just by himself in this lineup nowadays. Um, but yeah, Cole Caulfield's first game against the uh, Calgary Flames before the game itself, the decision was made to play him with Philip Deneau and Tomas Tatar. Now, a lot of people were like, hey there, that's dumb. It's not. No. Um, what you got to realize about Philip Deneau is he's one of the best two-way centermen in the league. And... Um, What's interesting about the Philip Deneau and Thomas Tatar combination with Brendan Gallagher is that they have been one of the best at generating five on five scoring chances in the league since they came together. And again, um, what makes the like the Bergeron line work so well? Patrice Bergeron does all the hard hard work, and then Pasternak and Marchand do what they want. So I thought it made a lot of sense. And again, he it's not like they, they protected him. He got some power play time, not on the five on three, but Weber scored, so all can be forgiven. Um, but I, I just thought it made a lot of sense. And, you know, defensively, Deneau got to cover a lot of stuff in that. Um, but I just thought there was a lot of rationale now with that. And now they play him with Toffoli and Suzuki tonight, which I think is going to be really fun. Because obviously, if you're going against... The Leafs, the last thing you want to do is have Caulfield would denote with the importance of shutting down Austin Matthews. Yeah. That's, yeah. So, like, I, I think a lot of people just kind of think, oh, they're playing the kid on the first line. Uh, He's going to play 20 minutes. No. no. Like, Montreal's, everyone forgets, Montreal's top line is completely different from other teams. Um, but Caulfield himself in the game, um, did you both manage to catch the game itself? I had it on the background. I was, I didn't know. I watched the highlights. Okay, Daniel, did you catch the game? Yeah, I did. I liked. I like how it went. I mean, especially after the last two games, I think that this one was a redemption. They scored more than one goal, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. God bless Tyler Toffoli. I don't know. It just I Jeff Merrick really hyped me up for this series. By the way, like yeah. the way he talked about it on TV, and just like it's like I know that there's still a lot of games like to play and Calgary. Still has a lot of ground to make, but it was he made it in a way of like a do or die situation where it's like, oh man, you really need to watch the series. See, it's he did because see, Jeff Merrick's not an idiot, right? Um, he knows that the flames are boring. 
And what's annoying is like they are the perfect kryptonite to Montreal because the Habs are a speedy team that work off the rush. And the Flames kill the rush. So what he did was like, okay, so here's like the worst matchup possible. The stakes are ever important. And people also gave crap. It's like Caulfield's going to play the most important. Get like, guys, this, there was no atmosphere. There was, it was the worst few games of hockey I think I've ever watched. Oh, I it hadn't been scored. That was surprising. God, I know. And he's out for the season too, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but it was, oh my God, it was actually God awful. It was so awful. Sounds like Jeff Merck's good at his job. Yeah, <laughs> he is. <laughs> I, I don't know who uh, runs uh, Sportsnet. Uh, if, if it was Anthony Stewart, he'd say John Sportsnettington, but... They must have called. They must have called him and said, "Hey, you need to sell this series." And he did a fantastic job yeah. with that. By the way, even though, I bought it. Yeah, but I mean, Montreal out of that series are still six points up and the game in hand, so it's big. But anyway, Cole Caulfield himself. Um, talking about the game itself, um, what I found really interesting is is before the Flames did the Flames things and just locked down the rest of the game. Is in the first period, especially, it felt like. He was making the right passes. And, of course, decision-making in the NHL is so important at a fast pace. Um, he created the rebound that was good for Phil Deneau. He was shooting at angles that probably Markstrom wasn't quite ready for. It didn't get one past him. but um, And he also made some pretty good – like that line altogether had a few good rush chances. And, again, creating those versus the Flames I think is really, really important. Um, it was good to kind of see him in that scenario. It's just – Unfortunately, all of a sudden, like when they had him on his brief in the power play, alongside him was like Eric Gustafson. And it was really cool that before the Flames took that second penalty and they kicked him off for Weber and Petrie. Again, Weber scored, but still. Um, they had two it was defensemen just, on a power play. Yeah. <laughs> what is this, 2001? I haven't seen that in a while. <laughs> Again, it's it scored. I mean, if it they've, worked, they've, it worked. They've kind of changed it down when they very much now have, I think before they, like, now of course, like Petrie's now working the line and they've definitely moved Weber down um, more towards the OV spot. Like normally he kind of hangs a bit further back, but now they've just kind of said, dude, just stick down there. Because if you're like, I would assume like if you're kind of like half-assing it um, between going to the line and at the moment you cough it up at the line, they're gone. Weber's not going to catch them. So I think it's better if there's more chance that Petrie or like anyone else, like a net front guy or something that can come in and like support him. Like Weber will be able to hold the puck against the boards for longer than most people because of his strength. But like, I, I like that more. And then like Caulfield can also have that second OT spot of just hopefully just blasting past one timers. Um, but like, yeah, again, for his first game, he looks like he belonged. I, I liked what I saw out of the kid. And that, that's really all you want at the end of the day. Um, like, if he looked terrible, you're like, oh, no, this isn't going to look it look great. And you know what? If he can continue to sort of belong, um, even if you don't play him in every single playoff game, I'd be surprised if he keeps playing well and they don't have him there. Um, this sort of stint of games from Montreal is going to be massive for him too. Um, it's just – there was also something I do have to mention is it's – the Habs have not had this sort of prospect to look forward to that is hopefully going to change like a difference maker in forever. So as a fan, I just want to say that it was, it was a really good feeling that whenever he stepped onto the ice, you were like, okay, I got to look out for 22 here. Cause otherwise, and after he came up, it's like, oh, okay, it's time for Toffoli. And then you realize, oh, Toffoli's got 25 goals. He's amazing. Yeah. We forgot about that. 
but it's like the, the, the kid's pure presence just kind of made you excited. And the big problem around this Calgary series, and because it's so frustrating to watch Flames hockey, um, it was just really nice to actually see a game and this exciting young player. Um, you know, it was the most excited I've been for a Habs game in a couple of weeks now, which is, um, it's, it's bad. I thought him and Evans coming in for the same game too brought a lot of needed energy. Um, and again, that's, that's all you want. Like I, Evans is such a nice, like coaches player. He does everything right. You love him so, so much. I'm, love trying him to, so much. I'm trying to think. I'm like, wait, there wasn't any other one hyped. Like, I mean, cocking Yemi was not hyped up like this. He was third or, um, I don't think so. Not this know, way. Not this way. Um, I'm trying to think back like up until the drafts. Not Nikita Sherback. So you say that again? Um, I'm trying to think be- since 2014, like as that as a range. I'm like, what were the other draft picks that I'm like, were they hyped up in a way? No. No, no. I mean. Not even like, Yemi. That's still surprising to me. Well, so. like third overall, because I think a lot of people saw, okay, here's this. Do you, do you guys think of Russians as Europeans or, or not? <laughs> because yeah. it's, they're technically, is it like a border? It's Eurasia. It's like, okay, if he's part of that, like if he's part of this Russia, he's European. If he's part of that, he's a, like, you know, what are you going to say? Um, I think a Eurasia. lot of people, well, don't forget the Kakinemi pick wasn't that popular because mm-hmm. they went positionally. Um, and I mean, like, and everyone was kind of pleasantly, pleasantly surprised why Caulfield has been, you know, the, the chase, the buildup, the journey is kind of always kind of helps with that kind of stuff. And, you know, for, you got to remember that he's been like just marinating in college, not to mention like his, his uh, freshman year was great. And then this year and it's entirely, don't forget, you know what, coming back with like that disappointing States team and winning gold, the Hobie Baker, it was just like watching him dominate, I think was just like, Oh crap, we have a, and you know, the way that like some analysts and experts talk about him, you're like, okay, this is a, this is a player. Um, I saw, I think I, who? Cal McCarr, how he kind of came in. I mean, yeah, I fair enough. Cam McCarr, Hobie Baker winner. It's they, they don't have a lot of them, and I think somebody said, I think it was Axelrod too, who said, yeah, the last player that had this sort of debut was was Price, and at the same time, um, you know, talk about the attention around the Laval Rocket. The last time the AHL team got that much was when they were in Hamilton and PK was playing there. Right. Uh, again, you always kind of hold your your um, you know, you you try and level your expectations. At the same time, though, um, be excited about the kid because, like, I sure am. He's he's great. And Toffoli and Suzuki, I'm really excited to watch that line play hockey tonight. I, I think it's really smart what they're doing in terms of where they're playing him because I, I think the old – I'll call it the old way of doing things uh, is you don't start in the top six as a rookie. Um, and I just don't – like, I think in there's there's – multiple cases where you can play him play a guy in the top six and you can succeed because he has that skill set number one Cole Caulfield can shoot right so you need players who can get him the puck and if you have if you move him up the lineup generally speaking in my experience the higher up in the lineup the better the players are that's just just, you know, my experience from what I've seen. So you're playing him with guys who can get him the puck much better than guys who can probably get him the puck in the bottom six, let's say. 
Mm-hmm. And we've seen it happen before. Like there's certain guys who are just going to thrive in the top six based on their skill set. And yeah, there's a risk, but I think in this case, the there's so much more there's the reward is so high that the risk in this case doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Daniel, you have a known on Cole Teddy Bear Caulfield. I love him. Yeah, I love the guy. Um, I was actually excited. I was excited. I think it's just when, and again, I'm just like a movie reference or something, but it's just, again, like when, you know, things were not going down, we're going a bit down for the Canadians. They weren't finding their consistency in any way. I I like that this really rejuvenated things, that there was a bit of that hope. There was a bit of that, that accountability and that willingness to change things around, to see how the, how the lineups match up and, see what really works because it, again it was so stagnant for so long that i like that now even late into the season they're like okay well we're still willing to to try this no there's a bit of freedom here mm-hmm. damn he's, he's just good i'm just so excited i'm so excited to watch him play hockey it's it's great um, to finish off here we'll have a quick look around the league because some play players some teams have clinched playoff spots um, I don't know if tonight the Leafs would clinch if they do win, but like they've basically clinched somehow. It's not official yet. It's weird. If Ottawa um, and Toronto win, um, they clinch. If Ottawa and what? Is okay. Ottawa... Okay. Who's Ottawa? Ottawa and Edmonton, right? The Sens are a They're factor. playing the Canucks. Canucks. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the Sens, who are 20, 25 points back, have have, and the Canucks. Who are 24 have a factor in? Okay, that's so weird. That's actually the weirdest thing. And the West yeah, Division. I, I have it here if you want me to read it. No, if, if they defeat the Canadians in regulation and the Senators defeat the Canucks in regulation, or if they defeat the Canadians in overtime and the Senators defeat the Canucks in regulation and the Oilers and Jets game. Ends okay. Oh, okay. Anyway, they, so this is basically one of those things they've clinched, but we need to do the stupid like. Okay, whatever. If you need the bottom team in the in the thingy to win, you've basically clinched. Whatever. Yeah. Um. All but the fourth spot has been decided in the Western Conference. Vegas have clinched for a couple of days now. Um. Colorado are there as well, and the third team to clinch. All of a sudden, holy crap! What's it? Seventeen points. The Minnesota are ahead by the Blues. Daniel, your boys have clinched. How do you feel? We did it. No, not we. I'm not there. But <laughs> Kirill Kaprizov did it. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, again, it's when, when I talk about Cole Caulfield rejuvenating things, I, it reminds me of Kirill Kaprizov coming in because oh, yeah. the last few years when we talk about the Wild, it's that same team where we're like, oh, they're banking on their, um, their veterans to do something. And again, you know, it's what this year has kind of shown is how much has changed since Bill Guerin got there. Because there's that accountability, what I keep talking about. Like, Zach Parise is on the fourth line right now. Yeah. Um, Ryan Suter, he's still doing well, so he still gets to play in the top four. But now we're seeing, like, that shift where they have these guys where they're not really at a point now to contend, but they found the chemistry. They found what the core is going to be like long-term. And and one thing that really surprised me because I looked back on one of our old episodes of what are they doing with Matt Zuccarello somehow yes, yes. coming into this off season, they have a lot of cap space because a lot of the guys they traded for um, like a Marcus Johansson like, or a Nick Bustead 
these guys are coming off and you're going to be able to extend your young guy. So it's really weird to me when I look back now how they've gotten a lot better compared to how they looked in the play-in round. Mm-hmm. And I'm not blaming just Evan Dubnik. <laughs> Listen, that poor guy. Remember when he was a hot Vezina finalist? That was a good yeah. year. Um, uh, yeah, we already talked about the North a good deal here. Um, then I'll ask, since I asked Daniel about Minnesota, Alex, I'll ask you right now, the Blues, a point ahead of Arizona. They have three games in hand. Are you throwing your hat in the St. Louis Blues that will, you know, the next coach that Patrick Wall will coach? Um, I mean, I think they can, I think they have the team that can do it. Uh, just looking at the competition behind them in Arizona, who's the closest. I mean, I pick St. Louis most, most times um, and they have three games in hand. And I know I said it last episode, multiple times, you have to win the, your games in hand, mm-hmm. but I, I think they have a team there and they're one of the teams. And, and I think the thing with the playoffs is they, anyone can kind of do anything. And I, we saw that last year, like look at Chicago and Montreal. I don't know how many people actually expected them to win the playing round, they could do like they they could do some damage. They've had they have guys who have experience. Um, if Jordan Bennington does decide to get hot, that that's again another guy who can do some damage. Uh, they're probably going to play Vegas, but it'll be interesting to see. I do think they can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, before, no one, sorry, no, no, no. before we move to the next division, I have yeah. some breaking news. Okay. According to Lisa Dillman of The Athletic, Quinn Byfield will make his NHL debut tonight. Finally. That's pretty awesome. Let's Excited to see that. Decent, decent time in the AH. I want to give him some games to end the year. Uh, no one in the East Division has clinched right now, but um, ooh, the Capitals are, they've been going back and forth with the Pit. I was going to say the Islanders, but then I looked at second, I'm like, oh, Pittsburgh's there now. <laughs> Um, whoa, the Capitals, 68 points. They have a game in hand over the Penguins, who are at 67. The Islanders are third, with, and they're only a point ahead of the Bruins. The Bruins have a game in hand. What the hell happened to, to the Islanders? Um, the Rangers, unfortunately, are four points back, and again, the Bruins have two games in hand. Um, it looks like we're pretty set uh, when it comes to the East Division. Oh, the Islanders. The Islanders, the Islanders. But, you know, if they win around, I won't be surprised. Meanwhile, um, the Central Division, the Hurricanes clinched their playoff spot with 69 points. Nice. Uh, the Panthers have clinched and Tampa Bay as well. Um, it looks, it's still really tight. The Panthers, even though Carolina, okay, never mind. Carolina have three games in hand, they're two points ahead of the Panthers. Looks like we're finally going to get the Battle of Florida. But guys, again, we're still fighting. I, I've, do Nashville and Dallas actually play hockey games? Because the Predators are still ahead by two points, and Dallas still have two games in hand. The what Preds, the hell? They beat the Panthers four one recently, right? Who did the, the Preds? The, the Preds, yeah. That's huge. They need to win those games. Do you think Gary Bettman's just just loving that he gets to see a battle of Florida in the playoffs? I mean, it only took how many years? <laughs> What's the saying I always use? A, a broken clock still works two times a day. That's true. Great. It took how long for the Panthers? No, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You know, like it took Powell Burry wanting out of the don't, don't, don't do it. <laughs> um, but the word on the Panthers, they've, they've clinched it. The story continues for this little Cinderella team, let's say. They have. Like, I, I don't think many 
I think we saw the improvements made in the off season. And I, I think we, we complimented them quite a bit. I, I don't think we saw them fighting for first place in the central uh, and they were for quite a bit of time. Like I believe they were even among the league leaders uh, in terms of points for small bits of the season. And I think that's a huge improvement for the team and, and compliments to Bill Zito for kind of changing that Florida team in terms of not just the players. Cause I don't know. I think he added multiple, he added good pieces, but I think the environment, just the general environment of the Panthers. Yeah, I completely agree with that too. Um, again, what we talked about in the offseason, all those signings that Will Christophilus talked about where they're playing above their pay grade. That Wait. like there's these like, you know, Alex Wenberg, I didn't think he was gonna have a bounce back season like this. Um Anthony Duclair, I I admit, like, it's just the consistency factor with him there. Because even when he was doing well in Ottawa, he had that stretch towards the end of the season where it just didn't look good. Or like, Carter Verhage, where a guy who has been, you know, the poster boy of late bloomers this year, he's definitely someone that's take those extra strides. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rofsky, you know, if we're going to say bounce back guy, he's, he's there. A, he's on a better year. Yeah, he's good. You know, he's not Vesna NHL 14. He's, for come, he, he's come leaps and bounds from his under 900 save percentage. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, he's done great. I'm so happy for him. Um, and again, they're doing a lot of this without, well, recently at least, they, they've gone down the stretch ahead of Tampa Bay without Aaron Eckblad. Yes. Um, and that's pretty important for them. And, you know, if they can make it deep enough, He'd probably come back early because hockey players yeah. are pro athletes. But yeah, um, I think that is everything that we need to talk about today. Um, I believe so. Yeah. All right. Um, sucks that the month the uh, the Canadian Grand Prix got canceled. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's unfortunate. unfortunate. That's we'll weird. be able to visit you, Adam. Yeah. Well, at least you get to stay out until nine o'clock now, right? So, or uh, well, yes, it one. changed, right? <laughs> What? I guarantee you, Mike will remind you of that. What the? Oh yeah, the um... man. I don't go out. It's be eight o'clock, right? Yeah. yeah. It was at eight. Then they moved it to like nine or whatever. Now I don't even know what it is anymore. I don't, it doesn't affect me. I thought it was six p.m. at like one point. I don't know why. No. Yeah, that one. That would be I don't think so. Yeah, if you do it at six, the only people are coming home from work. Like, you're yeah. not stop running off. to get home. Yeah. Um. <sighs> but yeah. Okay. That's everything. Fun episode, good episode. I think we only went for about an hour and a half. Fantastic. Wow. That's what a you record. Okay. In a while. Yep. Great. Uh, thank you, The Voice Said, as always, for being a fantastic platform for the show. Check out everything to do with the show. Social medias, we're everywhere, including the new, 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 the new TikTok. Fun stuff. Um, what else? Yeah, Facebook, YouTube. You YouTube. see all our faces. Um, Twitter. Twitter, all of that stuff, including Everything. our own personal Twitters and Instagrams. Yeah. Check out Alex's blog, my work, my YouTube stuff. Um, my eye opener article, that was fun. Check out all of Daniel's stuff for the eye opener and the hockey writers. And um, rate the show on wherever you listen to your podcast, especially iTunes. Because, no, iTunes is goddamn Apple, Apple podcast. podcast. Why did they change it? It's been years. I'm never going to get over that. Anyway, um, next time, next episode, we're trying to figure something out. The fellows don't know I'm drafting a message to this guy, but I'm doing it. Who will
will it be? The Rock. Yeah, <laughs> The Rock <laughs> has his open DMs. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, man. And he's like, do you want me to come on, Adam? Like, yeah, it doesn't matter Wait, what, what you want. And that's it. Goodbye. <laughs>